We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the cave troll. <laughs> yeah, you've seen the gif, uh, at least, you remember, when Rom throws the computer into the dumpster. That's... That's Absolutely. the one thing that I point out when people are like, you're like Ron Swanson. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not that handy, and I love technology. I just don't like people knowing anything about me, um, which is exactly counterintuitive to existing on the internet in any sort of public capacity. But I am also a straight white guy, which means legally I have to have a podcast. So It is an illegally binding contract. It is. It is. Um, I, there's some loopholes for me to not try to burn down everything anybody who doesn't look like me has accomplished um so i've been able to skirt past that but i still can't get i still have to have a podcast um i still have to say things that are a little outdated when it comes to slang like uh slay that was my thing last week um and then uh yas yeah i said that last week as well so that's like my my two for the year and those are like five years behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, whenever RuPaul's Drag Race uh, became famous, that's when that started. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. We're on season, what, 14 now? <laughs> that sounds like about right. About 14 years behind. And that, like, it's only exacerbated by the fact that I'm a dad. So even when I am current, I still can't do it until my kids will think it's also cringe. And that's when I'm allowed to, to say it. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Um, Sometimes they think I'm extremely lame, and sometimes they only think I'm kind of lame. So I take that as a win. Um, So, like, sometimes they'll talk about me like I have a really boring job, and then they'll tell people I write comic books for a living. And they're like, that sounds really cool. And they're like, not my dad. Not the way he does it. You don't don't understand. But then, and, like, I'll pitch them. Like, I always tell my wife my stories first, and then I tell my kids. And they're like, oh, that's either cool or really lame. You can guess which one my kids say. And um, yesterday I had pitched a story. I can't talk about it because I just sold it. But it's spooky, right? Spooky season. It's around Halloween. I got inspired. I wrote a spooky story. And I told my kids about it thinking, oh, this is going to scare them. And they were like, oh, dad, I want to read that. And they were so happy to read the story that I guess I legally I can say that it involves werewolves. So they were like super excited about werewolves and hearing about werewolves. And then we pull into my parking lot, completely not planned. There's a car sitting there with a Chucky doll in the front seat of the car. Nobody's in the driver's seat. (laughs) And it's just running and parked like blocking the entire road. I'm thinking I'm about to be murdered because I lived through the 90s. I've seen these films. And, but my kids have it. And they're like, Dad, what's that weird looking doll? It looks so cool. And I explained right i explained the premise of chucky and my kids are kind of wimps when it comes to scary stuff they don't like anything even remotely scary like my son loves dinosaurs couldn't do jurassic park which makes sense he's five but but it's still like it's not a thing that he likes but i explained the plot of chucky and my daughter without skipping a beat goes oh dad what uh what app's that on can i uh pull that up she's like opening up her tablet she's like is it on netflix can we watch that today and i was like fuck no we can't watch chucky she's six by the way like she's not like 13 i know and i was like no 
And I never thought I'd be that dad who, like, especially not this early, to be like, no, you're not old enough to watch that. We'll make a concession. We'll rate a, we'll rent a rated R movie on, like, your 13th Like, I didn't think I'd have to be that guy. And here I am arguing with her. She's like, it's not going to be that scary. It's just a scary doll. Like, who cares? I have creepier dolls. And I was like, I know you have creepier dolls. That's why I'm afraid of them, because I saw Chucky when I was five. Like, you can't fucking watch this movie. And she, like, argued with me all afternoon. What'd you say, Char? learn from your mistakes right i just i didn't think i'd have to have to be that guy this early but you've caught me in full dad motion this week um also them mocking me as i've been reading our D book club uh book and they're like dad you're always reading you're like those dads on tv and i think they're referencing like old cartoons when the dad's reading the newspaper ah yes the time of the newspaper <laughs> and I, which i don't do because i get my news on my phone because i'm not a thousand <laughs> um but best believe if, if the newspaper was a good way to get news i'd probably read the newspaper but in the mornings i've been reading that book in the drop-off line and they're just like mocking me like dad's always reading i was like why why am i being bullied <laughs> like about reading books <laughs> listen you should also want to read <laughs> they do love reading they fucking read every day <laughs> but it's not cool when you do it it's only cool when they do it well they mostly read like graphic novels and stuff with pictures in it at this point in their their reading career so i think they're like making fun of me because mine didn't have pictures but it has pictures on the first page and the last page and it's got several graphs of like sales information about dungeons yeah. and dragons like there's there's visual aids there's pictures in the middle of the book that I was not expecting, and I was surprised to see them, but they're, like, those glossy, like, couple of pages where they're just, like, scanned photographs. Right. It's, those are, like, the ones, like, to justify that we bought a hardcover of this book, basically. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right. Speaking of, Lissa, you said you finally got it and started reading it, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm, I'm so, so glad. I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but it's only because I needed a burp, and I, it doesn't allow me to, to change my inflection when that <laughs> and happens. And as we all know, when Terry needs to burp, he gets really sarcastic. I just can't change my inflection yeah, yeah. when I'm worried about burping on the mic. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were going to be able to get it. I didn't realize that it came from such a small publisher, and sometimes you have a hard time getting those books outside of the U.S., so I was like, oh, shit. Even though it's on Amazon, are we going to be able to get this book to whatever fucking far-flung country listens in that day? Yeah, the UK of all places. Sometimes you're not in the UK. Sometimes you're in fucking random islands in Scandinavia. And I'm like, how the hell do I get this item to to Alyssa? I don't think I can this week. (laughs) This is the first time you've ever tried to send me something by snail mail. No, I've tried. You just never got them because... You're fucking a jet setter. You have like a pile of packages somewhere <laughs> in the post office in Finland, all from Carrie. Like, we keep getting these packages from this address, but we can't figure out what the actual address we're supposed to. Be. We'll just pile them here. Maybe we'll yeah. get them for Christmas or something. I tried to send them to the small lighthouse you live on in the Baltic Sea, <laughs> and <laughs> so when you finally arrive, you're gonna have some care packages. Don't eat any of the the items because the dry ice has probably worn off by now uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. nice nice to know, nice to know. <laughs> nice to know. 
I say eat them anyway, but you know. Uh, no, that's bad. That's how you die. That's. <laughs> Anyways, let me move on. For the uninitiated, this is the Cave Trolls podcast, the only podcast where you can get TTRPG news and hear us talk about my children and how they bully me every day. I am your faithful host, Terry Smith. With me, as always, is one half of the Slovenly Trolls, Sade. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And the other half of the Slovenly Trolls, Lissa, I'm assuming you're doing wonderful because you don't live in America. Yes, everything is great elsewhere. It's <laughs> fine. The grass is always greener here. Nothing ever goes wrong. 100%. As everyone knows, right? You've seen the news. There's there's no I way am. that we're on the brink of World War Three. Is Liz nope. Cross holding up uh, acid to your face right now to make you say that? I just want to confirm or deny uh that is a disturbing imagery <laughs> both ways well I, but... oh, the proper verbiage is usually are is this person holding a gun to your head but they don't but you don't have guns in the uk you have acid, like, acid. <laughs> listen i just i you you just listened to my roommate explaining that they do have hunting guns in this country i didn't know that but you, you didn't I mean, know that? that? Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think about it, but it makes sense. And it's she just told Charday that yesterday, so, you know. It's mostly in, like, the it. northern parts, but even, but I think in most of the places now, they still have to go to the local, like, police to get the gun, yeah. right? Or am I incorrect? There's a, there's a, I don't, I haven't looked into it 100%. I just know that there's a much stricter vetting process. Right. Obviously because the u.s is very lax gun laws and that's why we have a lot of the problems that we do but in the uk they're more lax i don't know how lax i know I <laughs> most of what i know I, about guns is either from guy Ritchie movies or specifically hot fuzz yeah i have no idea i have no idea uh i just know all american movies have guns in them and you just that you maybe you're born with it i don't know maybe you have, like, maybe it's maybelline right diaper. totally we but we like the thing is it's not just all of our media it's just all of it period like there's just everything is guns here i know i was <laughs> gonna say all action movies but then i was like no no not, not just action movies like that's the that's the one inaccurate thing about paw patrol you know like the the dogs don't have guns and they don't murder minorities other than that paw Patrol's pretty oh, accurate wow. Mm. <laughs> except for the things that make it not accurate there's a lot of copaganda if you have children's tv shows paw patrol is one of the really bad ones um it's it's still a fun show it teaches some pretty good morals but it also teaches my kids that these people are going to show up in emergencies and i have to go all cyberpunk and be like listen we don't have the correct insurance for them to come save us they try to save you you say no thank you uh my dad will show up soon on his bike <laughs> oh, we can't afford the car um <laughs> you know like don't talk to cops like <laughs> um seize the means of production all the things you say to children of five and six uh-huh. um anyways this week we did receive a name for our games and supplements corner we don't know if we're gonna stick with it we're gonna see we you know one thing at a time but for now we're going with eye of the beholder this comes from at ruby underscore dusk on twitter this was their suggestion so thank you ruby named eye of the beholder so this week when we look into the eye we have lots of new games lots of cool things to talk about so let's jump into it new DD starter set dragons of Stormwreck isle is hitting the shelves do either one of you want to play a starter set from wizards of the coast maybe it's not racist maybe 
It's not. I, I feel like the I odds are not, not in their favor, but. <laughs> With the, what they put out recently? No. Right. <laughs> no, it's not. But I've also played, I've never played any of the starter sets. I didn't know there was more than one starter set. Dude, there's like, like nine, man. I never knew that because I've never played a starter set. When I got into D and D, I started playing a Tomb of Annihilation campaign. That was like <laughs> <edition> <laughs> campaign for like six months. I know I didn't even know what that meant. And like the players, the other players at the table who were more like well versed than I was, like nobody really knew what we were playing until like a couple of sessions in, and then some guy was like, "Are we in the Tomb of Annihilation?" And everybody freaked out, and I, I had to Google. <laughs> that was. <laughs> like when I got home. And then I switched from that, because that campaign ended badly, to homebrew stuff. <laughs> so like I've mm -hmm. never I've never had the opportunity to play a starter set. So I had, I just saw like the the green dragon one and that's like like that's on the cover of the starter yeah, set. Yeah, that's like the marquee starter set when it came to yeah. fifth edition. Um I would say in my opinion it's kind of been usurped, uh, which I need to be careful. I I've been uh I've been lambasted by a few uh, TTRPG companies on the internet about my opinions, so I will be careful and assert that it is an opinion. It is not fact, but it seems like, at least in the circles I've seen people joining in D&D, &D, that uh, the 5th edition starter sets have kind of been usurped by the Stranger Things quick start starter set. Um, because that one hit like a lot of Walmart sh uh, store shelves at different holidays and Stranger Things being super popular. Um, and it was branded with that, even though it's more about like what the kids play in the game, um, rather than about Stranger Things stuff. So I think there's been some disappointment in people that purchased it, but that's at least some of the people that I've seen join up into fifth edition in the last few years. That's the starter set that they've been starting with. Gotcha. I guess that makes sense because Stranger Things kind of brought D&D &D to the quote unquote mainstream in the last handful of years whenever the first season of stranger things came out right and there, there was a couple things perfect storm wise but like you see kids rolling dice and talking about satanic panic and stuff it's like people are going to talk about D D in a way that they hadn't in a really long time like uh that was one of the first times my mom asked if that was what i played and like my mom's kind of nerdy she knows about dungeons and dragons i just don't think she kind of put two and two together that it was the same game from when she was a kid um, so then when it was on, uh, Stranger Things, she was like, you guys play Dungeons and Dragons, like, in particular, right? And she was asking about it, so, um, I definitely see starter sets as being a good thing when it comes to starting the conversation. I'm just cranky with Wizards of the Coast at the moment, um, but, you know, <laughs> thank you, right, <laughs> like, uh, but if we were to make an objective thing, I can bring up the, the page and read a little bit about Stormwreck Isle, um it's your gateway to action-packed adventures says the website um but it contains all the essential rules so it's like quick start rules not like a whole player's handbook but quick start stuff 48 page adventure booklet 32 page rule book for playing characters of levels one to three five ready to play characters each with their own character sheet and one set of dice um which is pretty cool it's not so bad i know the adventure includes a map includes a couple different boss Wait. battles and set pieces it it has six game dice. What were you, what what dice are they missing? Uh usually like a percentile. Like it's one D ten instead of uh. the the D one hundred combo. In in at least my experience with these starter sets, I'm always really annoyed when I get six instead That's of annoyed. seven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all the other dice sets. That's not a seven. full set. That's not a full set in my opinion. And that's why in, in their in their defense, they don't claim it is. They just say they include six polyhedral dice. 
I think we're lucky that it's a spread and not just like 6d6s. <laughs> Good luck if you want to play anything other than a rogue. <laughs> you can't even be a rogue. You still need a d20 to roll shit. You still got to hit a dc. But you could play, I don't know, GURPS if you got some d6s. So there's that. Um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, let's, uh, let's throw out some other antiquated games or games that are super esoteric that no one gives a fuck about. Uh, Tales from the Loop. You should play it. It's great. Feels like Stranger Things uses d6s, you know? um but yeah it's cool they got another starter set coming it it's about time it is gonna be really frustrating because i see a lot of people buying this and then when one D releases they're gonna be like the fuck i just bought this shit um but as we talked about last week one D is probably a little bit further out than people expect so expect not only a, another starter set but another big adventure similar to um the rhymes of the frost maiden uh and then they also have the golden vaults uh adventure book coming out soon too so which is the coast still chucking on they're gonna keep pretending like they didn't royally fuck up every single year um so we'll see uh, judge it on its own merits maybe storm uh dragons of stormwreck isle is super super awesome and progressive but i'm going to uh have my doubts uh, next up, Koriko, A Magical Year. This is uh, another somewhat Studio Ghibli-inspired game uh, about a little witch, and it's solo. You play through the game with uh, tarot cards, which is a new trope I'm seeing across the board, and I fucking love it because all of my friends are too busy to play lots of games with me. Um, or in another country, Lissa. Um... <laughs> uh, I started here. I didn't, like meet you and then leave or anything so i'm still mad about it i didn't say it was me. justified like what you... i've never lived in the u.s uh... <laughs> listen you know i'm american like what about this seems like it's justified outrage uh, i mean you're also a white man right a podcast, so, exactly yeah. like, like listen like you know what you got into jeez <laughs> <laughs> um you actually you sent me this this article that's how i heard about this new one um one of like five different studio ghibli kind of inspired games that have come out in the last couple of years um and one of like 20 solo rpgs we covered on this podcast so far but what are you thinking about kiki's delivery service i know we've appointed you the solo rpg person uh lissa so give me your thoughts I mean, I don't like the fact that it's, yeah, maybe, like, comparing it to, uh... Studio Ghibli, like that other one that you Studio had an issue with? Ghibli, I mean, that's, that would always be my, I get, like, the, if you're going for a vibe. Mm -hmm. Which um, it definitely is. It's definitely a yeah. vibe game. I, I do like the artwork, which is why I noticed it in the first place, and I, like, if it, if it's going with similar themes as Studio Ghibli does then it could be good and yeah. i do like the fact that i am intrigued by a solo rpg like i would want to try a solo rpg because it seems like i mean all you need is yourself and you don't have to schedule any appointment <laughs> with any other, any other person who may or may not be in the same country as you so sounds good to me where do i sign up <laughs> so which one do you want to try first so i have colossal 
Um, or we could wait till Corico is, uh, is fully released. I have a couple other ones, but those are the two that I think we could really get some testing in. Because the Colossal, um, also semi-inspired by Studio Ghibli, but a lot of other things too. So you can kind of go, are they just capitalizing on this thing that I really like? Which I know is usually your hesitation with these. But like, uh, Colossal has much more of its own ideal. And while Corico is definitely, has its own thing going for it, it is definitely attempting to evoke Kiki's Delivery Service. I feel like if we start with colossal that would be good mm-hmm. that one's actually yeah. still really fun too in my opinion because it has that journaling aspect and again mm-hmm. as we have all know we've talked about i play colossal when i'm on the toilet and uh it's a very fun time <laughs> um make sure i do a couple sessions at least every day so <laughs> and when i don't get to it i feel bad and not because i'm missing out on the game but because i don't have enough fiber in my diet so it helps keep me regular Thanks for sharing your daily uh, <laughs> shitting routine question. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for appreciating it. Um, uh, <laughs> I have too many friends who talk about their shit too often. <laughs> the information... I do too. <laughs> the information I didn't think I'd learn today. Terry shitting routine. <laughs> I mean, it's not my full routine. I didn't say when it happens, but definitely a few times a day. You know, I'm pretty healthy. Um... Corico was created by Jack Harrison, the founder of Mousehold Press, the studio responsible for publishing Corico, and the designer behind tabletop titles such as the sci-fi RPG Orbital and The Slow Knife. And that one's about savage revenge is what this says. I haven't heard of either one of those, but I'm going to check it out uh, because Corico definitely has piqued my interest. As you know, Like I do like things that are inspired and evoke vibes of different um, worlds. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about small press uh rpgs is they're so specific right like if one of my buddies says hey i really just want to be in a studio ghibli movie this weekend i'm like you got it bro i got like five games for this <laughs> and uh it's awesome for my kids because they'll often come to me and go dad i want to i want to do a game that's about this one episode of the show you've never heard of and i go yeah i got a game for that because i can usually find one or two that will fit that vibe uh we're playing animon this weekend in a pokemon one shot um because Ooh. it's supposed to evoke the vibes of pokemon that sounds exciting it is exciting my son's very excited he um asked me originally to be a custom crocodile pokemon with eight legs and i drew this rookie pokemon or rookies or digimon but like the small first level of this pokemon that professor oak would give him and then he goes actually dad can i just be totodile which um in his defense is exactly what i asked him if he wanted to be instead so i didn't have to draw this bespoke pokemon and he of course ignored me because i was talking so that's not his fault (laughs) um and he goes oh i've never heard of totodile and i I said oh yeah okay sure we definitely didn't go over this and i showed you pictures and you said no i want him to have eight legs um but he has changed his mind and wants to be totodile now which is great and much easier for me, and I just destroyed that design I did for that eight-legged crocodile Pokemon um, named Crocachomp, uh, in case you were wondering, uh, even though nobody is, and I'm going to cry as soon as uh, we're done with this podcast now. Thank you. Uh, you can pick up Corico for uh, 28, is that euros? Pounds? I don't know what that symbol is, because I'm... Pounds. Uh, pounds. pounds. Thank you. That Thank you. Uh, that, that is a pounds. <laughs> um or 30 bucks for um you know americans uh over on kickstarter you get a hardcover copy for that price which is pretty cool and i think you can get the digital version just for 13 bucks or 12 euros or pounds 12 pounds 
So pretty good deal, actually. Um, so yeah, check out Corico's. Is it's not just called Corico, right? It's Corico something. Doesn't matter. Can't find it. Moving on. Corico, <laughs> <laughs> a magical year. That's what I said. Thank you. Uh, uh -huh. Thank you for confirming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh next up is the assassin's creed rpg we don't have to talk too long about this because it's exactly what it sounds like an assassin's creed rpg um is coming out uh uh all dice rolls are permitted which is a really good uh fun play on that line from assassin's creed do either one of you give a fuck about assassin's creed Yes. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Zombicide in Marvel United Studio, two different dice games that are not RPGs necessarily, um, which is interesting, uh, are coming, uh, to produce this for Ubisoft. So it's officially licensed. It's not evoking Assassin's Creed. This is Assassin's Creed. Um, what do you think? Are you interested in this? Does it depend on what kind of system it is? Or are you just down to assassinate people and go into the I, animus? I am down to keep updated on what they're going to do with it. Because I, I don't, well, I've only played like two systems. So I don't think, if it's not D&D or Call of Cthulhu, I haven't played the system yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so, but. And because of that, I don't know what system would fit this best, right? So if um, they pick a system that really jives with what they want the game to be, like, I'm all about it. And I've only really played one Assassin's Creed game, but I have so many on my backlog, and I, I do like the Assassin's Creed game that I played. Which one was that? Uh, Assassin's Creed 2. Oh, that, that, if you're only going to play one, Assassin's Creed 2 is an awesome choice. I know. I was told to do that. <laughs> I was just like, they're like, I want... There are like ten games out when I wanted to play in a. Yeah, so I'm game. sure there's like forty by now. But yeah, and I was like, what game should I start with? Because I I was told that it was more of an anthology, and you can really play whichever one you want in whatever order. And like, there is kind of a through line story, but it's not super important. They kind of dip it like after Assassin's Creed Three, which is technically like the sixth game in the series. They just kind of throw it all out, anyways. So yeah, but I was told by everybody I asked that you uh, play Assassin's Creed 2 and I did. I didn't finish it because I moved to England and left my Xbox at home <laughs> that I was away. So I never finished it, but I loved it when I played it and I love the vibes and I will be keeping my eye on an Assassin's Creed RPG because I love rogues in D&D too. I love the vibes. And so the entire game of just being rogues in a rogue society. Some would say a guild maybe. Um, which is pretty exciting. I love Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed 2 is one of my favorite endings of any video game ever, which I won't spoil it for you because you never played it. But I don't know what the ending is. Me and all my friends, there's a part where the character, uh, Desmond, says what the fuck, and we all said what the fuck at the same time as Desmond because it's such a cool, wow. twisty thing. Um, and it, it, still, it still sticks with me. That's what I try to emulate for every ending of any story I write um so like it is it is awesome and kind of like one of those pivotal moments for me when it comes to storytelling so i'm interested in it and i think that the the outside of the animus stories that happened in present day have really dropped the ball because that's just not what they're interested in telling um anymore they kind of drop that storyline uh so i'm excited to check this out it comes from the, like i mentioned the studio that made zombicide which is a really fun dice game from back in the day but apparently they have produced a few rpgs including zombicide chronicles 
um, which is based on it, and it's kind of like a dungeon crawler. But the lead designer on this, uh, Francesco Nepatello, um, is the designer of Lord of the Rings RPG, The One Ring. Um, so, like, there is um, some some positive vibes coming their way when it comes to the prestige behind the game. So that's kind of cool. That makes me more excited for it. We're probably not going to see it for a few years. Uh, um, it says that it's available for pre-order in 2023. So who knows what that means? And also... <laughs> When it comes to Ubisoft licensing deals, who knows how far this will get down the pipeline if, if it actually does come to the light of day. Um, I'm not holding my breath, but... Oh, excuse me. I fart. I farted. I burped that time, so you actually heard it. I didn't fart. That was that was uh, word vomit, uh, but just so you know. Sure. Uh, so... <laughs> God, we are a dumpster truck on fire, and I apologize. Um, moving on from Assassin's Creed onto the Northgard RPG, we'll get through this one quick as well. Northgard RPG is uh, a video game adaptation. Northgard is like a strategy RPG. Think uh, Warcraft one and two or Starcraft, um, where you play in a Viking society. Uh, and you devote yourselves to, to different types of uh, Viking lore. And so you'll take a, a patron and you'll live by their kind of rules. So the ones that are devoted to Odin are kind of about conquering and seeing what the the neighbors are up to and, and so on. Um, so I'm interested to see how it moves over to an actual tabletop RPG. I'm not holding my breath on it being one-to-one. Uh but this is going to be in 5th edition is the other thing that we don't need to talk about too much. We know exactly how 5th edition plays. Do you two care about Northgard being adapted? I don't know anything about it, so unfortunately not. <laughs> Lisso. Isn't, it, isn't it a strategy-based mm-hmm. game on the computer? Yeah, I, I think it came to consoles recently remember. too, but... Yeah, I vaguely remember that I've seen it on Steam. It's an Um, awesome strategy RPG. Like, if you love um, real-time strategy games, uh, like like I said, Warcraft 1 and 2 or Starcraft, it's awesome. But, (laughs) like, I don't know, other than, like, cool vibes and, like, interesting world to move over to 5th edition, in my opinion, there's already tons of representation, even just within Forgotten Realms, but other representation of Norse mythology and that kind of world, a lot of Scandinavian um, through lines when it comes to <laughs> D&D as a whole, but also all these other supplements. So it's weird that they're like, Northgard, RPG for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if it's if it's like, the I'd play it for the vibes, mm-hmm. but I'm not a big fan of... Uh, strategy games yeah like you kind of have to be an economics nerd i think to love Northgard specifically because it doesn't do combat um necessarily that different from other strategy games what it does really well are the other things like the other types of win conditions that you have in those strategy games i'd be interested if they pulled that over there um but i don't know like the village management is really the cool part of Northgard. Um, so if they add, let me, I'm reading through this article. It looks like they're going to move the village management aspects of Northgard will be part. So with a new settlement, uh, system that I would purchase for is if we can have this like pull out almost like forged in the dark, um, or blades in the dark, if you've heard of that, where you can kind of develop, uh, a city or a settlement. I think that would be cool. Cause I don't think fifth edition has great rules as is when it comes to that stuff. I was gonna say I don't think it's ever been impl- implemented in any yeah. game I've played. 
At least not well. I would super be into it, mostly because I have played Fallout 4. Hey. Now that's the worst one though. That 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 just that just put a bad taste in your mouth. Oh. I, it does. And I <laughs> hashtag know not all settlement it. games, right? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But like that's that was kind of my first introduction to it, be- and because of that, I feel like I'm unfairly adverse to <laughs> any settlement in any game. And I'm like, absolutely not. Preston Garvey is going to. Beat my <laughs> I do not give a shit, Preston. <laughs> trying to remember the thing that he says really annoyingly when things come back to attack they're oh, like man, hey you need I to come blocked, home i blocked it out yeah you, you, listen you're not wrong for that and i appreciate you admitting your bias but i really hope that one day other games can can get you oh, back I, into I it because so that's too. some of the cooler aspects at least in my opinion of most games which is like having your own little home and building it up um because I we're all like- millennials and we live in apartments so we can't do that I mean, I'm really into, I've gotten really into farming sims the last couple of That's years. a similar vibe. That's a similar vibe for yeah, sure. Yeah, I like building up my house and decorating it. I've accidentally fallen down a huge hole of a recent video game the last couple of days, and all I've been focused on is building up my house. What game? What game? vicariously. Disney Dreamlight Valley. No, dude, no, 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 don't, don't, that, that is not a guilty pleasure game. Disney Dreamlight Valley, shot it from the fucking mountaintop, okay? That game is awesome. It's really good. It's way better than it has any right to be, just playing the new expansion. They just added a bunch of other Disney characters that you can go do quests for. Fuck you if you think this game sucks. It is awesome. It's so good. I literally got the $1 free try like trial period mm-hmm. of xbox game pass so i could play it because Hell yeah so many people play it and i'm just like that looks like a lot of fun i want to try it i'm not like the biggest disney adult ever but like i like disney you don't even need and to then, be i think it just has like a great like farm simulator type like gameplay is. vibe it, and it's just it's that's what we're talking fun. about this week fuck all the D news let's talk about yeah, disney dreamlight valley. dreamlight valley i will but i <laughs> Well, Lissa can't run it. She's got, uh, you know, an um, an Apple Macintosh from 1994. Like she can't run that game. I will steal someone's computer just to be able to talk about this. Lissa, I, I have a text adventure game that you can run on your Macintosh. I will, um, I'll send you that, and I'll add that the fact that you can plant seeds into it. Oh wow! That's for you. I'll do that enjoy. for you. I'll, I'll enjoy that text adventure. <laughs> not to say that text adventures are bad. No, mine is bad. I made it. It's oh. not good. <laughs> uh, I am no game designer. Uh, it took me like six weeks to figure out how to um, get an NPC to show up, die and then be removed from the game it took me so long to figure out but i finally got it and now i need to figure out how to get them to come back to life and it's breaking my brain it's uh it's a whole thing but i can make them disappear when shot and leave a note behind the note just says this is a note but we'll get there (laughs) i believe in you (laughs) thank you you shouldn't um moving on (laughs) uh fate earth this comes from kickstarter lissa you sent me this one i believe a world of magic and yes, folklore set yes, in an yes, alternate nineteenth century Earth for the Fey live alongside humanity. Um, this it was is recommended. Go it ahead. was recommended in a, a Twitter thread that we were also on. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I did see that. Brambleheart Games uh, makes it. They're an indie Irish-based publishing company behind specifically just this one so far. I don't think they have too much else behind them. 
Um, let's see. Yeah, they were. Um, yeah, no, nothing. Nothing else uh, is coming up for them. But you can back it, and you can get the game for a pretty cheap amount. It looks like twenty dollars will get you um, a digital PDF copy of the core rulebook. Um, so not bad, not the cheapest, but still not super duper over expensive. I like it because you see a lot of these. It's either um, creating its own landscape or, or setting or it kind of adds to the forgotten realms of it all and this one is combining it and putting it on earth which i think is really cool and also like irish mythology and folklore is kind of lacking when it comes to representation usually it's there and you don't understand that it comes from irish folklore because so many things have just kind of stolen it and appropriated so it so. like the banshee Yo, what? I don't know. (laughs) Where would we get that from? If only there was a podcast that told us about it, where could we find it? I don't know. Maybe people should Google Slovenly Trolls Banshee. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. Can you tell that I may or may not have listened to your episode? (laughs) No, you're so subtle about it. This is actually, this came up with um, uh, the Kelpie recently because my my daughter loves my little pony obviously and it turned into this little like dissertation that me and her were giving my wife because she didn't know what a kelpie was Mm. and and it's just it's just so cool to watch my daughter nerd out the same way that i do about something and so she was just like let's just tell her all about it we put on like i basically opened up a google doc i should have did slides but and we explained it (laughs) yeah it was so cool it was so neat like um but yeah, back to Irish stuff. I'm excited for Fey Earth. Um, this uses a tangential system. It's not 5e. It's D20 related. Um, similar thing. Uh, you're going to recognize the eight ability scores, fortitude, dexterity, awareness, intellect, resolve, charm, fighting, and magic. The thing that's cool about it is while this is all similar, it is a bespoke system. They did make this from scratch. In my opinion, it's got a lot of the stuff that we like about D&D. You got D20 rolls, you get stats that you understand, but it does its own thing. So you don't have to just be D&D to make your own system. And because you don't want to be D&D doesn't mean you have to completely throw out all the good stuff they've done, like using a D20, like using those uh, ability scores. So I recommend it. I don't know how much more we can say other than checking out um, Fey Earth. It's got... uh, Oh my god. Go ahead. I see. I see the words Jotunheim, which is again familiar to listeners of the Slovenly Trolls. Hell yeah! And or God of War see, or Norse mythology. And, and because that's the other Fey nation is Jotunheim, which mm-hmm. is made up of Sweden, Norway, and Finland. Hell yeah! Uh-huh. Oh, Finland plug. Also Siberia. Plug. Also Siberia. Yeah, and, si- and Siberia. I don't know if we want to include them these days, but Siberia. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah. Siberia as a a a area of land did not do anything wrong. Correct, correct. Um, and this game takes place in 1872, so a lot of the things that we're talking about it's it's in the past. So don't worry about it, right? Um, yeah, this is a fantasy world where um there is no war happening, mm -hmm. uh, which is happening on our timeline. Right. Um. So I'm excited to check it out. Uh. I'm trying to see how many changes they've made to the D20 system. Like, if it's hard... Because I know some people don't want to learn a new system. I wonder if it's convertible fully to 5th edition. Probably. Um, The way that they've done levels here, the way that it's still a D20, I think you could probably convert it to 5th edition if you wanted to. Um, But I'll put that link below so you can attempt to do it yourself. I'm not going to do it. I got too much shit to do. Bing! Hey, this is Terry just cutting in here in the future from the past. Nope. Take those 
reverse them. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about Fate Earth that we just got done talking about on the podcast. Well, we reached out to them and we were talking to them on Twitter. I believe Lissa was. And they still need a few more backers to get over the finish line for their Kickstarter. So if you were interested in that story, if you liked what we talked about with Fay Earth, if you were like, hey, I want to check out that game, go over to the Kickstarter. The link is down below. Please go check out Fay Earth's Kickstarter. They're at 2638 as of recording this, dollars out of their $24,000 goal. Well, it's lofty. They have 20 days to go still, so go ahead. If you are interested, go over there and join the 56 backers that have already backed the project and give them some some words of support, if nothing else. All right, back to the show. Ding! Moving on, Dungeons & Dragons wants to make miniatures with your face on it. Um, We have more Hasbro news coming up later about the direction of D&D, but just know that they're making big moves. They bought D&D Beyond, now they want to put your face on shit. Uh, this comes from comicbook.com. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons wants to put your face on a custom made miniature during Hasbro's investor day earlier this week. Um, wizard of the coast president, Cynthia Williams discussed additional ways that Hasbro could cater to the Dungeons and Dragons player base. Williams noted that Dungeons masters make up 20% of the game's player base, but currently comprise the biggest share of paying players on D and D beyond. No shit. The, D- the DM has to, has to mm-hmm. pay for stuff. Mm-hmm. However, Williams noted that other players value character creation and customization and suggested integrating Hasbro's selfie series into character creation so that players could create custom-made D&D miniatures with their face on it. Um, if you don't know the selfie series, I, I'm familiar with it being an action figure collector. It's You can put your face on one of their six-inch lines like uh, G.I. Joe's, Power Rangers, Ghostbusters, etc. Um, they don't look great. They don't always look like you. Um, um, but they don't look not like you, right? Like As much as like when, sometimes you'll grab one of the um, the Lightning series. The Lightning series is a really cool Power Rangers uh, action figure line with like Power Rangers from all over the the series history. And the alternate heads for the figures are like if they were to take their helmets off. So it's the actors' likenesses in most uh, cases. And they don't look one to one to the character, but if you were to squint, you go, "Hey, that's that's supposed to be that guy." And that's really cool just for, like, an action figure standpoint. It's not the coolest, but it's cool. They're also only, like, 20 bucks, so it's not that expensive. Um, same thing goes for the selfie series. Uh, if you were to squint, you'd go, hey, that kind of looks like Terry. I'm a white guy. Every character looks like me if you put a beard on it with glasses. But, um, like, uh, some of the other people I've seen do custom figures, it's neat. Uh, and they want to apply this to miniatures. No one's told them that miniatures are fucking like two inches so um one inch base you can't make out any of the features on them as is let alone if you were to put someone's face on it uh hero forge has come closest i think to making really detailed faces when it comes to the the plastic figurines how do you two feel about them attempting to put people's faces on miniatures i i mean it's great marketing (laughs) if people it's a good idea people who like it i would never want to see my face on anything fair Um, fair right horrifying thought to me but if it 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 could make for a good gift for somebody maybe but will you be able to tell miniatures if you don't know it's like monopoly size yeah yeah i don't know like i I, go ahead if you're gonna do something like this I, I would hope that it would actually look like them or like be a cart you know, like a cartoonized version of them. Sure. So you can still like tell it's them. 
if it, if you can't really tell unless you're squinting, then it'll be funny for the first like I don't know five seconds that you <laughs> see it, and then after that it's just like eh. Well, anybody who's played any sort of miniature game, like think like Hero Clicks or even D and D, you know that you don't buy them for the faces. You know, like it's like the accessory on them or the pose or what clothes they're wearing. You can't. The faces don't come with a lot of detail. It's just it's like, like it's it's two more dots of the, for the eyes. Yeah, it's more of the you are your your action character mm -hmm, or your, mm -hmm. your adventure. So like if if it doesn't look like you, what's the point? <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know what they're gonna charge for it. This is still developing, but uh, but yeah, there's that. Also, I want to reference uh, Christian Hoffer, who wrote that article for ComicBook.com. Uh, give credit where credit is due. And Cynthia Williams as the president of Wizards of the Coast. I guess good idea, Cynthia. Someone's gonna buy it. I think they're gonna be a little disappointed. Um, next up is Code Warriors. This Tron-inspired RPG, Code Warriors, converts players into computer programs. Um, this comes from Dicebreaker, Alex Meehan over there, Digital Daydreams. Um, Code Warriors is an upcoming tabletop RPG that takes place in an entirely digital world based within a computer system, a la Tron. Um, once uh, a place of order where every program had set, uh, set purpose, the system has since broken down into chaos. Uh, with everything falling apart and the system at risk of being de deleted for good, the players step into the role of rebel programs determined to save their existence. I don't need to say it again. This is just 100% Tron, um, which is cool. Tron's a fun movie series. Uh, I forget there's a second one all the time, even though it was very good. Uh, I don't know uh, too much about it. This is using a D8 system. Um so I, I don't think I've ever played a system that's just purely D8s. Have you two? No. Obviously not. Yeah. That's, <laughs> well, like, so it, it looks like it operates similar to something like Tales from the Loop where, like, your skill translates to how many D6s you roll. This is the same thing but with D8s. Um, I, I'm okay. just interested as, like, a numbers nerd, like, what is the spread there? If D8s uh, somehow are just more fun to roll or or something like that but uh interesting take i haven't seen that before um they've done other things uh, created by craig campbell the designer behind horror role-playing games low stakes which is a vampire one um and what we do in the shadows and capers an rpg set during the roaring 20s um obviously um inspired by different things so it's not a surprise that they would find some sort of licensed-esque game like this you know like, like tron uh, comes out October 28th on Kickstarter with a pledge of $40, uh, 36 pounds. You get a physical copy of the book and you can get a digital copy for 20. So not a bad pricing. I'm interested to see how a D8 system plays out. I don't think I've played anything like that. Nothing comes to mind. Maybe one of those weird one sheeter, um, smaller games, but do you two give a fuck about Tron? Are you going to check out this game? Code Warriors. I like the movie. <laughs> that's something you'd be surprised so many people are like what the fuck is tron like and i say yeah but jeff bridges uh, uh. i'm intrigued by the system more so than anything else okay yeah i uh, d8 so like, that's i have not seen i have not seen the movies i know the gist and i know the aesthetic so like they're you got light bikes, you know? You can throw the, the Frisbees. The yeah, you can throw the Frisbees with D8s, and yeah. hopefully you get the light bike, and you can crash into stuff. If yeah. if they do that stuff, I'll check it out. How do you feel, Lissa, with the, you know, like, this game kind of capitalizing on the vibe of Tron? Since you're not a fan of Tron, are you as, I guess, uh, triggered by them going, hey, this is a Tron game, but not Tron? 
I mean, I literally don't know what the plot or gist of Tron is. Like, mm -hmm. I know the sort of the setting and the aesthetic, so like, I couldn't, I couldn't be mad because I really don't know and I can't compare. Okay. Like visuals okay. that I'm looking at right here, like it's about robots, but <laughs> lots of things are about robots, and that doesn't make me mad. It's yeah, it, it's it's like basically you're like a software program, like you're inside the computer in both Tron and in Code Warriors. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, it's similar to the things that you've been outraged before, but because you're not into Tron, um, we don't have to fight about it. So there's that. Um, even though I was, me. I mean, all, always, right. Always. That's what people come to see, um, or listen to cause we're a podcast. Uh, if you can see me, I'm sorry. I'll put pants on. Um, next up, keep an RPG character on a bookmark with a handy new OSR supplement, which we've talked about the term OSR old school role playing. Um, this is for, um, the old school essential, I believe, or is that what the system is called? Um, but it's the, the games specifically that are kind of inspired by older versions of D and D with a smaller character sheet, old school essentials. Yep. I, I called that right. Um, and this is just a bookmark. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a bookmark that is your character sheet and, uh, they're selling it and you can buy it and you can have your character sheet right in your book. Um, I don't know about the systems necessarily and, uh, in the terminology or how good a bookmark would be to capture all the things you need. The backside's a note card. Uh, but I know players that forget their character sheets all the time. And if it was a bookmark <laughs> that was in their book, I think that that might be helpful. I think that's an interesting take. No comment. <laughs> You've never done it to me, Lissa. So I'm not mad at you. Other players have done it to me. I've never played with you, Terry. So exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm sure if you did, I, we would fight more, but, um, but you haven't yet. So we're, we're going to call it even next up. Merc Borg card game based on it um which is exciting it's exactly what it sounds like if you like the merc board game they are turning it into a card game which is what i'm excited about to get all the artwork hopefully new artwork um but also the other thing that we've talked about i love the diegetic games so like if you go to a bar in one of my games and you play liar's dice we play liar's dice at the table usually um in my digimon rpg game when we sit down to play digimon cards we actually play the digimon card game around the table in character this is going to be compatible with Merkborg as um a game within the game and that has me the most excited out of anything that's cool <laughs> yeah right like, that's fucking dope this comes from Longtail games they've made a few other things that i'm not as familiar with um and i don't know too much about the card game um necessarily but it comes with 300 different cards it looks like bespoke art it looks like this is new art for it. um i really hope so the artwork from Merkborg is one of the most impressive artwork i've ever seen in any sort of tabletop rpg we've gone on at lengths about it but i love having another diegetic game i'm i'm hoping to i still haven't gotten enough people to play a second session of Merkborg, but if i can and then convince them to get the card game too i'm just gonna be happier <laughs> than a pig and shit Fair. Yeah, fair. Is that a terrible analogy? Are pigs actually happy to be in shit? Probably not, but that's what uh, we say. I've, I've heard that pigs are actually quite clean. Oh, yeah, they're definitely clean, but they do yeah. roll around in mud that sometimes looks like shit. Yeah, that is true. But a lot of farm animals are always covered in mud, which looks like shit. So, but <laughs> hashtag not all farm animals. 
<laughs> oh, it looks like they have another one too. We talked about Pirate Borg uh, earlier on in the series, um, but yeah. Orc Borg is another one created by Grant Howitt. Uh, so if you're into orcs and you like this system, you got another one to check out. So I'm interested in both of those. Moving on, uh, Cloud Empress in the lands of Ten Thousand Cicadas. This was here specifically just to piss off Lissa. This is yet another game inspired by Studio Ghibli, um, and this one actually uses it in their official press release. Um, <laughs> because people like things inspired by other things listen get over it damn it um no. the art in this is gorgeous um has a lot of the the classical like painted art in it i think that's really cool I, it's another bespoke system so you're not just playing fifth edition this is its own thing um it uses the mothership sci-fi horror rpg system so i guess not bespoke um it uses that system but it's not fifth edition um but i've never used that system have either one of you heard of mothership sci-fi no no i haven't either but i'm gonna look into it because the logo looks familiar so who knows i might actually own something from that system and not even be aware of it um but it comes from cloud empress uh and then yeah i don't know too much to say um download this game check it out let me know what you think because i'm unfamiliar i'd love to hear from some of our fans who play as many rpgs as i do uh because i'm a little bit more unfamiliar on this one but i'm excited about it and it kind of has an ecological bent so we're talking about like saving the environment and the uh, like the effects that i think humans but whatever the dominant species has on their environments in this world which i think is another cool thing that studio ghibli touches on in a lot of their films miyazaki is a lot like hey humans versus the wild we're fucking up the natural order of things um and I haven't seen that in any of the Studio Ghibli-inspired games so far. So that'll be a cool I mean, angle to go. Yeah, it says the... It sounds rather bleak, but it's also based on or inspired by Ursula Le Guin's The Earthsea books. Right, which they did do a Miyazaki full, film of, too. Yeah, Full Metal Alchemist as well as inspiration. So it's about humanity surviving against hardship. They're calling out some big names. Like, that's like I, I know usually I I'm know. on the other side of this argument with you. However, invoking one and say, hey, I'm trying to do the vibes is one thing. Saying... Compare my game to these three amazing properties is a little bit more dangerous. Um, I like listeners of the show know that I pitch a lot of comic books to companies and and artists and stuff. And when I do my pitches, I try to leave out anything like that of my elevator pitch until the last two or three bullet points. And that's when I say, hey, if I'm going to get reductive, it's X meets X or, you know, something like that. But for the most part, I try to make it unique so they don't do a direct comparison to those things. Because if it yeah. doesn't end up being what they think of those properties, not even just good or bad compared to it, if it's not their exact idea of that property, I'm fucked. So that, to me, when it comes to marketing, be careful with saying, hey, it's just like Fullmetal Alchemist and mm -hmm. Earthsea and Studio Ghibli. And I'm like, well, those are some lofty expectations there, guy. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah. I'm still excited for it. I'll check it out. And I'm going to check out that system as well. Mother. The shit. art looks really, really nice. Like, and I really that, right? Like, that's why I thought maybe yeah. I could win you over with that. I'm like, it's it's super painterly and like that old school, like, um, like the Japanese art that you see in their classical um, era. Like, I think that it really evokes that. Again, you can have really cool art and you can put all these big fancy words until I play it. I don't know if it's going to be awesome, though. Mm. 
Next, it could be. Yeah. But I mean, we have 14 other Studio Ghibli games we got to get through and see <laughs> if they're good first before we start arguments about uh, Cloud Empress. Um, next up, Jeff Goldblum is becoming a miniature. Um, I don't think they use the tech that uh, Cynthia was referring to, but they are selling a miniature based on Jeff Goldblum's D&D character. If you don't know, Jeff Goldblum a few years ago was like, oh, yeah, I fuck with D&D. I love D&D. And then he would just talk about his D&D character and the adventures they're going on. And they are making a miniature of Jeff Goldblum. Um, what do y'all think of that? So pure. <laughs> It's uh, depicting Goldblum's character from the Dark Dice podcast, a podcast in which people are recorded playing a tabletop RPG. Thank you. Um, this comes from Alex Meehan. Um, I love that she writes for the lowest common denominator, like we've talked about in the past, but sometimes it is frustrating. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We know what the Dark Dice podcast is. Um, the miniature bears a striking resemblance to the Jurassic Park actor himself, designed after the official artwork of Balmer, Goldblum's elven sorcerer. The miniature features Goldblum's face atop a muscular elven body, garbed in a set of impressive robes, a cloak, and knee-length boots. Balmer is posed in a manner that suggests he's about to cast a spell at his foes, with the player able to paint the miniature um, themselves. I think she meant paint. Um, but yes, uh, it is very detailed, like for miniatures. If this is what they got out of it, yeah, like I can tell that's Jeff Goldblum, and it does look like, um, as described their character from that podcast. So that's really neat. And you can purchase this and just have Jeff Goldblum in your game, which is what I'm going to do because I have a lot of Jeff Goldblum lovers at my table. (laughs) Do you listen to this podcast? I do not. But Did I you know that Jeff Goldblum was on it like, mm-hmm, forever mm-hmm. ago, like before we started this podcast? Forever ago. Exactly. That's when I heard that he played D and D was from that podcast. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I was just like Jeff Goldblum of all people. Like that's the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. He's not on there all the time though. It's not like every week Jeff Goldblum does this thing. But I think it's like, extremely smart for them to. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is on everyone. I've only listened to a few episodes, so. I've not listened to any of them yet. This was a long time ago when this first happened, so I couldn't tell you too much about it. Um, that's why I'm like, well, let me walk that back because I could be super duper wrong. I'm not super duper familiar. Um, but yeah, that's happening. Um, next up, Going Rogue 2E. This is a game if you want to be uh, a space rebel, a la Star Wars Rebellion, Firefly, that kind of thing. Going Rogue is looking to invoke Andor with uh, their second edition of the system. I recommend it. It is fun. I haven't played the second edition, at least, but um check out going rogue and then finally harrow meyer this is another bloodborne-esque monster hunting um rpg i believe this one takes place in fifth edition um D, like if you're going to use that system um i you am see the incorrect. words gothic victorian london exactly that's what like bloodborne like it definitely evokes that and i am incorrect i think this uses its own system um yarnin to harrowmeyer so this is definitely trying to evoke the world of blood uh bloodborne if you don't know that's what they call their city is yarnum um violent ghouls um stalking the charred and desolate remains of harrowmeyer these creatures seek these foolish enough to enter into the city in search of glory knowledge or something else <laughs> they really gave up a little bit on that, on that marketing or you know whatever else is there <laughs> yeah you got werewolves you got vampires you got beasties and you got hunters um 
I don't know too much about the system. I'm going to go to the Kickstarter to see, but you can get the the digital book for 12 bucks. That's a that's enough for some people to buy right there. Um already an Electrum bestseller on Divine are on drive-through RPG in PDF format. Okay, so people are already buying it. People are playing it. It looks like or at least there are other versions of the game. Um still don't I understand the setting. That's cool. Give me the game. There we go. Fourth bullet down. Um yeah, it doesn't say what the system is. There we go. Uh, when the Moon Hangs Low, is the actual name of the system in Haramar, uses a simple dice system based on a six-sided dice. It shares the system with two other games I've published, Age of Steel and Tormented. There we go. Okay. So it's a D6 system. If you like those other games, check that out. And uh, when it comes to their innate properties, it's physical, mental, and social. So one of those more simplified if it fits into one of these three things. So that's cool. Um, check that out if you're into Bloodborne or if you like those other games. Again, 12 bucks is that's kind of a steal when it comes to some of these. So you could get into it without breaking the bank. Sometimes we try to recommend a new game. It's like, buy the $60 physical copy of this book or else. So like That's not a good way to get people to play this game. Mm. Uh, all right. That's it for the Eye of the Beholder. It's only an hour into this show. Are you too good to keep going? We, we yeah. have a whole other topic here. Yes, let's go. So, go, first go, up go. in news unrelated to RPG supplements, we had The Legend of Vox Machina greenlit for a third season with a trailer for season two. I know you two fuck with Critical Role, mostly Sharday. Are you excited about Legend of the Vox Machina season two? And are you excited about them coming back for a third season? I'm sorry, did you say Vox Monica? <laughs> Vox Machina. But Vox Monica is my character in um, Taldore. I heard Machina. I don't know what Lissa heard. She heard Monica. She told you what she heard. And from now on, I will be referred to only as Vox Monica. Vox Monica. <laughs> sorry, keep going. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. No, I'm, you're I'm fine, man. Like, I, I listen. I'm always here for an accidental pun, okay? <laughs> Anyways, uh, Sharda, you excited about uh, Legend of Vox uh, Monica? Now, I, now I'm going to say it by accident. Um, Legend of Vox Machina coming back for season two and greenlit for season three. We knew they were coming back for season two already, but the trailer is finally here. Well, it's not a trailer. It's a, like a one-minute clip. Oh, okay. This this said the trailer. I apologize. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's just a, a one-minute clip that takes place right after the finale of the first season oh cool cool the dragons attacking the city yeah so we'll call it a sneak peek sneak peek. yeah like a more of a sneak peek yeah but i am i'm a huge fan of the show mm -hmm. i love the actual play it's what got me back into D D after not playing for like almost a decade so i'm super excited about it i love the show i think it's amazing huge fan i back the kickstarter so hell yeah i think it's not surprising that it's getting a third season because we already knew of the first, we already knew of the second season, mm -hmm. and I heard a lot of good buzz around it, so it's not super surprising. But it's still like it's nice to hear that it's getting a third season, right? Because <laughs> you never know. Because I I walk in uh, in circles who watch this kind of stuff all the time, so like I didn't know how well it did on Amazon outside of like geek culture. <laughs> It did really well, and Amazon's been doubling down on their animated um, stuff. Not just mm -hmm. when it comes to 
um hey let's make more projects but renewing them really early like uh invincible also did really well over there and they had greenlit that for two more seasons after the success of season one and they were making them congruently um or concurrently i meant so it's not surprised that they were like not only did they had already paid for a season two with vox machina so it was a done deal but it did really well outside of geek circles too like people watched that even if they weren't a gigantic fan of critical role or D D. um a whole other audience picked it up from amazon prime so i I'm sure as expensive as the art style is and getting it to a studio that's going to animate it well, which they did, um, comes from a lot of the Young Justice people. Um, also, it's still relatively cheap compared to their other um, forays into nerd culture, like let's say um, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. So I'm yeah, guessing like when it comes to that... Dollars. Exactly, yeah. exactly. When it comes to that balance sheet, they're like, people are watching this? It's really cheap? Fuck yeah, give them a third season. Oh yeah, and also, they kind of paid for a season one and two themselves, like when at least when it comes to the they Kickstarter, um, yeah. to some so the chagrin of many of the people who did back it. I understand that you're okay with it. I know a lot of people that aren't okay with them I moving to why. Amazon. Um, well, like they paid for it to go there, and then they signed this other deal. It pushed back the release date. There's a lot of issues there that we don't have to get into right now, but maybe we should get into it soon. Uh, maybe I've when, actually, yeah, yeah, it's a really, it's an interesting conversation. I was gonna say fun, but fun's not exactly the right term when you have a lot of people who back your project and who are upset with the way it was released. Um, but yeah, there is a there is a subsection. I don't know how much of it. Um, at least I would say. A third of the people I know that were very excited and backed it are unhappy with the way they went about it. Oh. Um, that's anecdotal. You know, I don't know many people, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but yeah, but it's still it like on that point though. They still they paid for a lot of it themselves. This was already being made before they signed this deal with Amazon. So again, I'm sure when it comes to the coffers, they're like, oh fuck it, another third season, we can do that. Um, so while not surprising, cool to get that, that stuff early. It's so hard sometimes with these nerd properties, especially animated. You don't know if there's going to up and cancel it. Um, speaking of young justice, they just did that recently at HBO max, basically when, um, HBO and, you know, uh, Warner bros and stuff was bought out by discovery. They were like, let's just put the ax to all the stuff that we're purely driven by fan bases like smaller ones that had brought them back already and the first thing to get the axe was like a lot of these animated shows that people fell in love yeah. with that they were already resurrected so being on the bubble to get a green light already for th the third season without season two being out i'm sure gives a lot of people who love the show just like a little bit of like oh i can breathe i can be yeah. invested in this for a season two without going am i ever gonna get a season three well i think i not only does HBO Max, like, they did that axe with a lot of their stuff. I remember reading something about how Netflix is kind of giving up on animation as well, and they're not putting as much effort they, into animation anymore. Yeah, Netflix is uh, cutting back all of their animation ones because unfortunately oh, they weird. don't do they're not blockbusters so called I love so some are so some are big but yeah, other they, ones aren't so right? those ones will more likely continue but the fact is they are cutting a lot of stuff that people are very into just because they're not hitting the right target audience like yeah they're they not have, doing that crossover they're yeah they're not hitting like the general audience and getting like that sort of game of thrones uh hype yeah, like, like if they could the get the time. like yeah. Arcane basically, right, is a good example. Yeah. Arcane was a great crossover hit. Everybody loved Arcane, but then you get something like Dota, which has performed really well for people who are fans of the game, fans of anime, and fans of that style of show. Didn't yeah. quite 
crossover hit when it came to seasons two, seasons three. I love it. A lot of people do, but that's probably not going to get another season. But then you get Wait, things like yeah. uh, He-Man, right? He-Man did fucking gangbusters, and they're like, let's just make more He-Man stuff. So it's not like there's no more anime coming from them, but their animation suite is going to take a back seat. But they're also Netflix, kind of a different bag, right? Amazon's doing great. Netflix is having one of their roughest years ever really well fuck <laughs> what did they expect saying stop sharing your profiles with with each other even though like two three years ago at the beginning of the panini they're like share as much as you want we're in this together and then they just do a complete 180 yeah but they didn't with, do it just because they're they were greedy which they are greedy but they also yeah. did it because they were losing money like they were like we need you to stop <laughs> basically they were like we're not they were not losing no, they, they they do. They do lose a lot of money on, on sharing passwords, but losing isn't the same thing. Like, they didn't have it, right? Like, it's not like all those people had oh accounts and then decided to share when yeah, they said they it was okay. Yeah. They were I doing mean, it because they needed more subscribers because they need more money is what I'm saying. If they if they were, like, potential customers, I mean, yeah, people like the content. But, are but they they're not. But, but are they willing to pay the amount that exactly. you need? So are they actually potential customers, like, in – it's no, the they are willing to pay for it. The answer is no. They're not willing to pay for it. They're just getting it for free, which and is convenient for them. They up their prices a lot too. Like their standard package is, uh, a, and I know, like you know, they adjust for you know inflation or whatever. But no, yeah, that's only so much of it. That's, you know, <laughs> that's only so much of it. And there are also rumors, or they confirmed at this point that Netflix is also looking into an model they've already they they've already cover. announced it they are going to introduce a, a lower a lower tier of what they already nobody's have nobody's going to use that oh yeah they will oh yeah they will i use the lowest tier of hulu and i know a lot of people what? that do yeah a lot of people do i cannot i, I can cannot. i can give you 15 i can name more people that than uh people that are happy about vox Machina. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I I hate I hate ads. I just uh well, sure, but it's YouTube it's seven TV bucks TV. versus like, thirteen. Like that's five bucks a month. It's Sixty dollars a year. Rather, I'd rather not have ads. Sure. I mean that's that's I think that's what they're like, relying on. That's like just mar marketing wise, like introduce the product without mm -hmm. ads, and then at some point cap it. Say uh, you can continue this if you pay more. Yep. Or we will so input cool. ads, but you're so used to having no so ads that yeah. then you're willing to put in that money, that extra five dollars a month to mm -hmm. have no ads because you know, like you have standards now. <laughs> but like uh, Hulu is the reason why my kids are understand what commercials are now because for a long time uh, they didn't watch stuff on Hulu; they watched you know elsewhere. But when they got a little bit older and we let them watch some YouTube, some Hulu, um, now they're like, oh, now I understand what you're talking about when we say commercials. But when the first time it popped up, they freaked the fuck out because they had never seen a commercial a day in their life. We don't have cable. Oh, wow. You know, they mostly watch Netflix. So, um, but speaking of all of that, like when it comes to Netflix and them trying to do this, it made sense for them to go, hey, we're going to up our tiers when they were the biggest game in town. When It made sense but for them to say, you can't share your passwords because we need more money, but also we think we can rake you over the coals, but they can't anymore because Hulu was a joke, right? You remember when Hulu was a joke? It's like Netflix, yeah. but green. No one gave a fuck about Hulu until they did. 
No one gave a fuck about HBO doing their own app. We were all mad about it. And then it worked. And then they had really good stuff. Now they're kind of fucking it over because of bad management. A different discussion. But same thing for Prime. Netflix doesn't have the clout. And now Netflix doesn't have the content. I can see a future where Netflix is going to die soon. But that is a story for another podcast. We got to move on. Um, but I'm excited for Legend of Vox Machina, not on Netflix, on Amazon Prime. Check out Season 2 Sneak Peek. Check out the Season 3 announcement. Um, <laughs> moving on, you can get Lego D&D sets. Uh, Lissa, you sent me this. Do you want to talk about this? I mean, I don't know. I didn't read through that much, but I am excited for this. Hell yeah. My, like, whenever I pictured myself as an adult, I would, like, think, like, okay, I have a nice apartment, I have, you know, this, like, nice job, and then I come home and I build Legos. <laughs> God, you're so European. <laughs> I come home and I got my Legos. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, that is the nerdiest and most European thing I have ever heard, but, uh... I, listen, you're not wrong, right? And the thing is, a lot of adults nowadays, that is what they do. Um, I know. Like, <laughs> I'm, bare, like I, 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 I'm still waiting for the day that I buy my first, like, architecture series or the, um, I know there's Lego plants ones that they can do. Hell and yeah. And now the list continues with the Dungeons and Dragons one. I just learned that there's this other line that Lego makes, but they don't call it Legos. It's it's produced by Lego. They call it, like, bricks or something like that. It's just called bricks. And they do these really, like, high-level, bespoke, one-off campaigns where it's like, this is specifically a design from this architecture firm, and it costs $400. We've only made five of them, so get them at, at your leisure Ooh. or don't. Um, so, like, they, they make shit for you to have around your apartment as an adult. Um... Plus, they if have I'm their rich. exactly right. One day, one day you'll be able to afford it. When you, when you're when we're all famous singers, we'll be putting together Legos. Uh -huh. Um, but they they also have their series like that they do from the Lego Design Labs, where like uh, they did the Friends set. They just came out with the Office set, which I'm gonna buy because I gotta have that next to my my Friends set. Um, and then now D and D to celebrate 50 years of D and D. Um, we invite you to ignite your imagination and showcase your favorite aspects of the Dungeons and Dragons game using Lego bricks, elements, and pieces. So this is similar to the design labs. You submit your D and D creation and then they'll pick winners and probably produce those. Um, promotion runs until November 28th, 2022. Um, no, sorry. Starts November 28th, runs to December 12th. So you can do this. I'm guessing they will give you a complimentary um, set like they do with the other designs. Yep, yep. So you get 10 complimentary copies of your design in 1% of the total net sales of your Lego Ooh. ideas. Which doesn't sound like a lot, right? And it's not compared to what they get. However, the dude who sold, like, the friend set, I'm sure, is rolling in it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's something. It's cool. I was more excited when I had first saw it because I thought it was going to be them just producing their own D&D &D set, maybe for the movie or, you know, some sort of tie-in with Hasbro. And it is not that. <laughs> they are just like, hey, we don't have any ideas, do you? <laughs> so, um, yeah. but also that's really cool. People do some fucking awesome stuff when it comes to Lego. So we might get some really cool D&D &D sets out of this. I'm hoping for a Tiamat because I can't afford that $2,000 statue that we talked about on the show. Mm -hmm. um, so I, maybe I can afford the Lego version, which is only $1,999 rather than 2000 So Big difference. That's a joke about Legos being expensive. They're, they are, if you don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> Moving that's why, on. That's why that's why, that's why it's my future goal and not like my current reality exactly that's why you don't have that plant <laughs> that, that lego plant in your apartment yet um moving on uh wizards and uh new D direction so hasbro announces a new head of the dungeons and dragons division um let's bring up the article coming from comicbook.com also christian hoffer hasbro has named dan rawson as its new senior vice president for Dungeons and Dragons brand, Rossum was announced as the new head of Dungeons and Dragons franchise, filling a role that was been posted for four months. Rossum comes from the tech sector, having worked with Microsoft 365 as a COO, and then uh, a South Korean online marketplace company, Coupang, and Flipkart, which is an Indian e-commerce company. So super from the business side of things, um, and. Uh, it, it's educate harvard and kellogg educated former marine captain rawson is also a dungeons and dragons player having played the game as a child and now plays with his family that's basically all they basically brought him in and said hey you're gonna lead the overall dungeons and dragons brand for growth and probability uh profitability which is i talked about this with some friends earlier in the week and i know we talked about doing this from a business side of things i've been following the state over at hasbro from a million different properties which they run and basically because of wizards and a lot of their snafus and some pushing from hasbro a long time wizard was kind of able to do its own thing for these properties when you got D, when you had magic the gathering they didn't get a lot of meddling there was attempted meddling but they kind of left them be because they were making shit tons of money and while they're still printing money basically uh magic the gathering's newest line is looking to print like something like the highest profit for the company ever um this is because hasbro has kind of put their finger on the scale a little bit more and said hey you have to do these brand deals you have to do these crossovers you can't just sometimes do one card now they have whole sets like the upcoming set is going to be assassin's creed themed and they did the dungeons and dragons crossover and instead of giving licenses like Power Rangers to Renegade Studios to make a game that's kind of like D&D, D&D's just going to make shit now. And we're going to make you make shit. And again, this is uh, conjecture. I'm not in those boardrooms. Um, but if you know anything about business or D&D or Wizards of the Coast, you can tell, right? I know you two aren't super big on business, but you, you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at, right? I mean, after finishing the book for our book club, <laughs> I have much insight now into and much wariness when it comes to the business side of uh tabletop games yeah <laughs> just any any game in general because like even a great property that is doing really well can burn to the ground if it's mismanaged so like and i think partly like i think it, it comes it comes with like a heavy heart that i have to say this is both good and bad right like um, when people look at Disney owning everything, they're like, oh, it's it's so bad for competition. And it's I and it's people who don't like it, they're like, it's bad for the brand. However, I like the stuff that Disney's doing with the stuff that I love. And it means that if they're going to rake in all this money and do all these crazy deals and do everything the way that they're doing, it means I continue to get that stuff, right? And Hasbro yeah. saying, hey, you got to play more ball when it comes to corporate synergy and brand deals, making movies, making this a... Uh, a proper property if you will when it comes to a mainstream audience that might suck for some things but it does mean we're going to get DD in perpetuity and maybe it means they're going to stop being so fucking racist all the time because they're going to have people up front that say hey you can't do that because they're looking at us now right 
Um, cause it, I, again, there's lots of those snafus that's going to make big daddy Hasbro go, Hey, you got to get your shit together. So there are positives yeah. from this point of it. The negatives come with like, Hey, there's more oversight. There are going to be more brand deals. We talk about Assassin's Creed coming to magic, the gathering Assassin's Creed. It's coming to, to tabletop right now in a different form, but maybe soon instead of them giving those licenses for power rangers and transformers and GI Joe out to companies like renegade studios, they make wizards of the coast proper go, Hey, you're putting out this D and D book. We don't care if you like it. Uh, this is official dungeons and dragons, power rangers. <laughs> and that's the stuff that I think you're going to see with them bringing on one one of their own, if you will, you know, one of these big corporate guys, uh, which we know in the past has been a problem. But I think when it comes to money making, that's what they're looking at. They're going, hey, this is now not making as much money as it was before, but it can. We know it can. We just need to treat it like we do our other portions of our company. Sorry, that was uh, white guy mar- uh, marketing and accounting talk. Uh, <laughs> we can we can move on if you're uninterested. Uh, but I wanted to throw out my two cents and say what I saw there. I just I don't know much about accounts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, I I don't know enough to say anything. That sounds smart, but I just <laughs> nod along and be like, uh huh. And that's fair, right? Like again, like not everyone's as interested in this and knows what it means or the conjecture that I'm throwing out. And again, it is conjecture. Nothing I'm saying is fact because we don't know what they're trying to do. I'm not in those talks, but to me, it's very obvious with the moves that they've been making over the few years at Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast that we're going to start seeing more of the monopolistic ideals coming out in Wizards of the Coast. The, the, we're already there. People already look at D&D and Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro as the big, as the big bad um, guy on the campus when it comes to business stuff right like they're not paizo yeah um but i think you're unprepared for how much worse it's going to get when it comes to that idea of business because it seems like hasbro is going to take a larger role in running wizards day to day we saw something similar recently with activision and blizzard blizzard used to print money for that corporate synergy of a entity right and then they stopped printing money from a couple of snafus and bad business decisions. So then Activision said, hey, since you're not do- keeping your end of the deal, we're taking over a little bit more. Um, and I think that's partly what we're going to start to see here. But let me know in the comments uh, what you think. I know we have some I mean, listeners that are have their finger on the pulse when it comes to the business side too, so I'd love to talk about it. Maybe you can come on the show and talk about it and make Lissa get really bored and fall asleep too. I just took a nap. I am very awake right now. <laughs> But I, that's how boring my talk was that you were going to fall asleep again. This is not a knock uh, at you falling asleep. This is a knock at me being boring. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no it's okay. Listen, listen. Like, people come to hear us fight, Lisa. It's okay. Um, finally, TTRPG tables and safe spaces. Um, I don't know this is necessarily a news article because... Um, it start, it's, it comes more from like a viral tweet and discussion about a gamer's table and how um, this is not a safe space, says the t-shirt. Um, Lissa, Shar, I'd like to toss this one to you since I just talked 45 minutes on business. I mean, I, I suggested it just because it would make for an interesting discussion because essentially what happened, and it didn't, it didn't get a lot of clout on um, Twitter, but it did, I did see enough of it like people reacting to it that mm-hmm. it made me think about it so essentially what happened was there was this account um they've now since deleted the 
tweet, but um, they essentially have this t-shirt that says, uh, let me look it up. Yum DM. Uh, yum underscore DM was the account. Uh, publishing yeah. a D&D zine is what they do. I haven't read it. Um, the shirt says, wearing my, um, or the, the tweet says, wearing my hashtag D&D GM shirt today, just because, smiley face, hashtag Dungeons and Dragons, hashtag TTRPG, and the shirt says, this table is not a safe space. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that people got very opinionated about. They're on both sides, mm -hmm. and, you know, I mean, it's one thing to say that it's woke culture to, like, react to that in a bad way, but, again... There were people who were like on his side or their side as well. Um, and the thing was they, this person, YumGM kept saying, like coming back and saying like, no guys, it's a joke. Like get it, it's a joke. It's fine. And like backing themselves up and getting defensive, which I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you two think about a table not being a safe space? I mean, Shar, uh, I, I want yeah. you to go first. I, I have lots to say. Obviously, I'm a, a white a white guy on the podcast, so I'll let you talk first. I mean, it's not a table I would want to be at then because Word. I want yeah. to feel safe as a player. I want my players to feel safe as a DM. If I ever, like, I get emotional just thinking about it. Like, if my players don't feel safe, I... I want my table to be comfortable. I want my people like that I'm DMing to have fun and like purposefully putting them in a situation that makes them feel attacked or unsafe or like they're not having, I mean, more mildly if they're not having fun, but even on a grander scheme, if they don't feel like safe, I can't imagine anything worse in my opinion at my table because even yeah. if so D&D &D can push the boundaries right you can have horror games of any TTRPG you can do horror you can do suspense you can do more um, violent stuff as long as you have the consent of everybody at the table and you have like lines and veils you maybe an X card like if you set up tools and systems at your table because the players in the DM want to explore more serious themes as long as everybody's on board that's totally 100% fine it's your table your rules but if you don't have those tools available and then somebody at your table has a panic attack or something, like what then, you know? And that's a very extreme example. Thankfully, I've never seen it happen or had it happen when I've been present. But I mean, I'm a very anxious person. My mind always goes to the worst case scenario. <laughs> so just, it just makes me uncomfortable that people are making a joke out of it seems like mental health because I understand there has been a lot of discourse the past I want to say decade or so because it was happening when I first started my undergraduate about um, criticizing safe spaces in schools criticizing like there needs to be a space where people can just I, I don't know. I don't even remember the discourse at this point because it just seems so contrived. But there's but... been so many, right? Where it's like, well, I yeah. like we're 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 losing the the edge. We're losing the talking points. Yeah. So it's like comedy, People right? It's like so... oh, cancel culture. That means I can't say anything on stage, and this is about pushing boundaries. Like People there's are so yeah. sensitive, right? And, right. You know, and it's just like no. People aren't more sensitive. They're just more aware of their worth, and they're more aware of their mental health. It's safer for a don't... lot of communities to speak out. Is is another portion exactly. of it, right? Yeah. Like they feel comfortable enough to say something 
I, I agree with everything you just said when it comes to, like, why I want my table to be a safe space and how I try to make it a safe space. I think the other portion of the issue, like you said, this is a joke, right? Like, if he's saying it's a joke, maybe it is a joke. Is it a thing that we want to joke about? It, it seems like a lot of people are like, oh, you're taking it too seriously. It was a joke. Sure, it can be a joke. But that also means that we don't have to find it funny, right? Like, it's not a thing that yeah. we want to joke about. And as someone, like, I make jokes like that sometimes on the podcast, right? And I try to walk a line and I try to talk about it. And, and sometimes I don't make the jokes. But, like, we'll say something that's, uh, we're talking about the patriarchy or something misogynistic happening. And I'll go, oh, that doesn't happen, right? And <laughs> sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it wouldn't be funny when I said that, right? And yeah, so, mm, go ahead, go ahead, Lizzie. Keep, well, I mean, you can finish off. Okay, okay. Point. Well, like, sometimes that wouldn't be funny when I said it. And I also have the breadth of a lot of context. So I have two really awesome co-hosts who can talk about why that wouldn't be funny or why it would be funny. And people know who I am on the show, so I can say things like that. And the ones that I choose not to say is because I go, hey, this isn't funny to joke about. This is a serious conversation. I don't need to, even if it's obvious I'm joking, it's not a good time to joke. And I think part of why this joke isn't funny, even if it is a thing and we're poking fun at neckbeards and we are poking fun at the people who don't want to have a safe space at the table. They're like, I'm going to murder all of your PCs and all of the ladies can't roll consensual die for having sex at the table. Like if we're t making fun of those people, it's not the time to do it because there's still so many of those tables, right? There's still so many people saying, Hey, this is happening at my table right now. I don't think this is funny because it's still a problem I have trying to find a gaming group that doesn't do this. I was uh, uh, tweeting. I, I apologize. I don't remember who I tweeted at. It was somebody from our Patreon. I think it might have been Hammer of the Gods. Um, and we were. It was either Hammer of the Gods or maybe it was it was Jay. Uh, it, a few people were talking about this, and I said, "Hey, is this even a thing anymore? Do people want to play at those tables?" And they pointed out that's why it's not a good joke is because those tables do exist and it is still a problem. Yeah. So like it, it, that's why we're going, this isn't funny. Even if you're not that person, yum DM, the problem is, is that there are enough people that do deal with that. So we're going, Hey, this isn't funny. You're going to tangentially actually support those people by putting out a product like this. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing about what they, what, what went wrong, I think, is the context of the situation. Mm -hmm. They're tweeting out right. publicly. There's no context of their table. There's no context of, oh, yeah, we've been friends for 20 years. Everybody knows there's, like, a consensual... There's consent there for, you know, shit to go wrong because they're playing a dark campaign. Like, these are the themes that they want to play. And, like, there's the implication of consent. But without all of that context and that knowledge as just a shirt and, like, say a dm like that i like i booked onto or i booked a dm and they came to the table and they said oh you know well uh this is not a safe space mm -hmm. like i would especially if i as a female player and if they are a male like dm i would be very uncomfortable or even like another male player came to my table with that shirt on i would be very uncomfortable and i would probably leave it in the middle if i felt unsafe enough or just be very uncomfortable for the entire session and probably not turn up to another one because for people who do not have the privilege of being you know straight white male or having you know that kind of authority in teach rpgs you are 
vulnerable and that's not a joke to be vulnerable and to be always have that like what if sort of going on in your mind like an alarm bell going on in your mind especially if that's something that's um triggering to you if you have pre prior experience because that's potentially something traumatizing or can bring up previous trauma and like without that context of knowing the situation on the tape at the table like that is a big no from me right and like even if it is a joke again credit to yum dm maybe it was maybe you're not that person maybe you're the context of your table says that you're making the same types of jokes that i would make on the show right but when you just tweet it out there with no context and you don't have a big enough following of people to go, hey, no, this was meant to be a joke. It's a joke in bad taste, but we're going to defend them. You don't have that. Then you've got to expect some backlash. That's all. That's the thing, too. It's like it's, it's your freedom to tweet out whatever you want. It's also everyone else's freedom to react to it. And that's what's going to happen when you say stuff yeah. like that. Because like you said, Lissa, like, sure, it can be funny. And maybe it is more funny to someone who has the privilege like me, right? Like I have the privilege to walk on any table and I probably won't be as triggered as a lot of people because I don't face the same sort of issues. However, we're not the only ones who fucking play the game. And you have to be kind of aware that you're going to say some shit on the internet about people who are playing this game and go, hey, actually, you're supporting the thing that maybe you were attempting to rail against. Again, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't sarcasm at all and they were just doing the thing of, oh, I got in trouble. This is supposed to be a joke. Yeah. Also, I think there is another plausible situation where this guy knew exactly mm -hmm. what he was doing. Exactly, he which, was yeah. There are, and I only bring this up. I mean, I might have brought it up anyway. I don't know. But we had another tweet go, not viral, but it got, like, well over, like, 800 likes mm -hmm. and re a lot of retweets. And so our tweet saw a lot, of, a lot more eyes than it usually does. And that was the first time that our account had ever experienced just, like, idiots. <laughs> just, like, fucking stupid-ass idiots who were just trolls who were just saying, I think the tweet was something dumb, like, um, I copied a, uh, what was it? Just like a template of like a little cute little bunny rabbit, but it was all like emoticon art, holding up a sign, and it said, women play TTRPGs. Hard. Yeah! It got a lot of likes and retweets, and I'm just mm -hmm. like, oh, that's nice. That was a great one. And it was great. Um, but then... <laughs> I got a lot of responses to that tweet from, and I checked the profiles just to be sure, all men, um, who said, yeah, and, or there was another <laughs> reply that said, um, that copied the exact same <laughs> format of the tweet and said something like, thanks, Colonel Obvious, and then with an asterisk and said, I... I understand that the joke is supposed to be Captain Obvious, but this thing was so stupid that you jump rank from Captain to Colonel. And I'm like, <laughs> the effort to put it. I know. I love that the, the two that they that they were like, oh, you're dumb. I gotta explain this one. I have to explain why you're so dumb. <laughs> or um, people are like, yeah, of course women play. What's your point? And I'm like, literally, there was no point. There was. It was just a cute tweet with women playing TTRPGs. Um, these guys took it so seriously like it was an attack on them so and they were obviously just trolling to get a reaction so i didn't really i think i responded to one of them like the first one that trolled saying oof 
(laughs) other than than that i didn't really engage with any of it so maybe this guy who posted this t-shirt was just being a troll because he knows that honestly from what i've seen the majority of ttrpg twitter at least that i'm on is very liberally minded and you would get a reaction if you posted something that you know was not inclusive to people Mm. so maybe he just did it for engagement and oh boy did he get it it's a little bit of both (laughs) right like uh, like you get double the engagement on those because you have the people coming to defend you who Mm. are a little bit more i just say like conservative i guess when it comes like the osr people right like you have those people going yeah um i don't want to be a safe space and then you have the people going hey maybe don't say those jokes and then you have the the further on the left of no fuck you for even joking about that right like you get all three of those and it is a game right engagement is a game twitter social media it is a game if you especially if you're building a brand so it could be any of those like similar to the the hasbro thing we don't know we're not there we don't know yum dm we don't know most of the people involved with it but i think it's worth us even the small platform that we have saying hey be careful with a joke like that because it isn't so safe now that it's okay to make those jokes because so many more people are safe. A lot of tables aren't safe spaces as the context of the conversation we were talking about. By the way, I was talking to Jeremy. That's who I was talking to uh, with Jeremy mm, Ryan, mm-hmm. honestly, Jay. Um, and they made some really good points of like, yeah, there are a lot of tables. Cause I said, is it, are these even tables that exist in that way of those edgy guys who are trying to kill the party and are being douches about stuff. And they were like, yeah, and so like, there you go. There's your context right there. It's anecdotal, but still like those yeah. tables are there. Not everybody has the privilege to feel safe at their table. So maybe let's not egg that on is yeah. I, at least the lesson that I'm taking from it. But um, I think we should hear from everybody else in our comments or you can head over to patreon.com slash can't be kill creations. Tell us what you think about that stuff. You can email us can't be kill creations at gmail.com. If you want to stick with the whole Twitter thing, because I, I guess it's sticking around or whatever. Um, uh, Lisa, what's the Twitter for our podcast? At Cave Trolls Pod. At Cave Trolls Pod. You can tweet at us, and uh, Lissa will say something, and then I'll comment something that isn't as good. Uh, (laughs) You can find us there on Twitter. You can find me at Resident Stevel, or you can find me at CampyKillCreations.com. Doing lots of other content over there. We got uh, Right in the Fields podcast. We got my comic books coming out. And uh, if you support us over on Patreon.com slash Creations, we have a D&D book club coming. We got to put out the name. We got to do some stuff, but we hit our goal over there. So expect a D&D book club announcement in the near future. We have our lore rewrites that Char works super duper hard on. This month is Banshees. I got to finish the artwork for that. Char, where can the people find you? They can find me uh, crying in my room. (laughs) (laughs) Also... About what? About what specific issue? Everything. I'm Everything. Cancer. Um. So. <laughs> no astrology on the show, damn it. Too late, <laughs> Terry. Damn Too it. Late. Women have the women have taken over. I would I would say that I'm all, a Taurus. All we know are about stars and horoscopes. You know so that's much. Just a, that's just a woman thing here. <laughs> just women thing. I don't I don't think that that's true. But <laughs> I was um, making a joke. Um, listen, we just talked about this. This is a safe space. Listen, you shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> See, you can joke about it in the right context, in Yum the right DM. Ah, right uh, damn important. it. And I'm allowed to say that because I'm a man and I make the rules, okay? I will murder you. <laughs>
Yeah, see, there you go. I think you do do really well to have people call you out and tell you when you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. Especially with threats when the person actually knows. Sometimes uh, you need a threat of violence. I know I tell the kids all the time, like we don't solve things. We we use our words, not our hands. But sometimes you got to use the hands. You know what I mean? That's true. Anyway, you can find me at, <laughs> at uh, the better host of the Slavonly Trolls podcast. And I run the Slavonly Trolls Twitter that is being barraged by yes and yes. <laughs> um, at Slavonly Trolls. And yeah, that's it. I think that's just yes and. Isn't that what you do for improv? You just go mm-hmm. yes I and and then so, continue? I was so tempted to reply to one of them saying, oh my god, do you do improv too? But um, I again, that's feeding the trolls. Like I wasn't gonna. I'm pretty sure that's one of the rules that Kyle Pru said. Like things to piss off men was uh, ask them if they do improv. (laughs) Maybe I should ask them if they have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I've never had anyone ask me that as a positive thing. So I think I definitely think that's on the list. I feel. Uh, I feel like if you hit the right person, they're gonna get excited and tell you all about it, and then you're just like, yeah. Just post hee hee. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, where can the people find you online? As the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, oh, I am weird. on the Instagram at Slovenly Trolls and I run the Cave Trolls Twitter at Cave Trolls Pod. And then you can find me in my house. Uh, probably <laughs> taking it probably taking a nap, to be honest. No, it was the lighthouse in the Baltic Sea, remember? Oh yes, or on the lighthouse in the Baltic Sea looking for <laughs> Terry's lost packages. <laughs> oh man exactly listen we just we gotta say more inflammatory things is what i'm learning like the engagement we got when um i had said some incorrect things apparently about cyberpunk when you coming to defend women like why are you doing that char um like if we say these things maybe we'll be able to put out a tweet and have people yell at us and we'll get more listeners right should we try that let's just yell out some hot takes real quick hot take uh go vote in the midterms if you're in america <laughs> no that's a good that's a solid solid take that's a very that's good a take it's take. a lukewarm take if tell i them, ever tell heard them one. who to vote for oh, oh there you go no that's a hot take right there that's a that's a way vote, to get torches and pitchforks <laughs> vote for people who don't take away um human rights from people yes and women play ttrpgs that's my hot take right there bam oh Yes and, Carrie. Yes, yes and. and. Yes and. I'm Colonel Obvious now. What up? <laughs> oh my God! We have merch that just has Colonel Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Let's make it happen. Oh make my God! Somebody, somebody, get somebody, to it. somebody write that down for me. I need to do this. I think I that person would probably promote me. I don't know what's above Colonel because I don't know war stuff, but I think because I'm a man, I would have a higher rank to that person. Can we make that happen as well? Just so we can really fit the narrative, right? Is that correct? Mm, probably, as long as you don't have a higher rank than either two of us because this is not a patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for you to tear it down completely, but that's still good. Um, I was waiting for like, like, like to hear like a gun cocking or something on the other end. <laughs> was that the noise so you cocked that, that just sounded, that just sounded like you said cookie no gun gun cocking box monica no, what's a I'm box monica I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the sound that you're david i'm like cookie <laughs> oh my god we're unhinged i think we need to end this thank you so much for listening we've been the cave trolls and we're out
Okay, now comes that special time of the podcast where we get to thank our Patreon producers. You keep the lights on, you keep the mics rolling, and really you make it possible to do all of this. We want to give a special shout-out. Thank you to the Lorax, who gets two special shout-outs, because I also thank you for speaking for the trees. We also have Jeremy Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Trellbot, the Highlander, thank you so much for being our first one and only, and then now in a group of four, but still thank you for being a Patreon producer. And finally, Kim Winson, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. We appreciate you, and we owe everything we do to people like you. Um, I was trying to sound like the PBS thing, you know, paid for by viewers like you. I don't think I can quite pull it off. I haven't been watching enough Sesame Street lately, so that's what I'm going to go work on now. Thank you.